0: Welcome back to Africa Science Focus, the weekly science and development show from Side I'm Oge Chie Kianyo. Today we go for a walk in the forest.
1: To me, forest is a way of life. Forests, is part of me because I have grown from nature and everything that I do, everything step I make is because of the forest and the nature and the ecosystem, the food, the cloth that I hear, the air that I breathe and even my well-being is drawn from the forest. It makes my mental well-being be okay. So forest is, it's me. It's like you cannot separate nature forest from me because that is my life.
0: That was Kenyan environmentalist Patricia Kombo. She's one of hundreds of environmentalists from indigenous communities in forested areas around the world who are at the forefront of forest conservation. They are dependent on support from the international community, but not much of that support is reaching them. Last November... $1.7 U.S. dollars was pledged at the United Nations' COP26 climate talks to assist indigenous people and local communities in strengthening their rights to their territories and boosting their conservation efforts. Their lands contain much of the world's surviving tropical forests and they're vital in limiting the worst impacts of climate change. However, a new report casts doubt as to whether much of this new money will actually reach them. Our reporter, Michael Kaloki, has been speaking to Dr. Bryson Ogden of the Rights and Resources Initiative in Washington, D.C., to find out more about this new research.
2: If Indigenous peoples and local communities are to meaningfully contribute to achieving the 2030 Climate and Biodiversity Goals, then their rights to land and forests have to be recognized and they must have access to more direct financial resources. We wanted to know, given some of the important commitments made at COP26 and ambitious 2030 climate and biodiversity targets about the historical trends in donor support for local peoples to help improve effectiveness of funding over the next five years. We assessed over 10 years of donor transactions about 10,000 lines of data supporting indigenous peoples and local communities forest management and tenure on how fit for purpose they were for channeling more resources directly to local peoples. We know from a prior report called Falling Short led by Rainforest Foundation Norway that local community tenure and forest management received less than 1% of official development assistance for climate change mitigation and adaptation over the last decade, around $270 million per year. We found in this report, few of the funding priorities or projects were led or designed in collaboration with Indigenous peoples and local communities. Only 17% of the funding we looked at mentioned an IPLC organization. We found that programs were generally tended to be less mutually accountable more requirements are put upon the recipients of funding, local communities, as opposed to what donors themselves are accountable to communities to do. We found that funding tended to be less flexible. Once a program was developed, it wasn't flexible to changes in the, in the local context, challenges that might be faced by communities and indigenous peoples to manage and conserve forests. But funding had, over the last decade, tended to become more long-term in nature, from Three year terms increasing to five year terms, which is good. We found that funding was for Indigenous peoples and local communities, tenure and forest management was generally less gender inclusive than would be ideal, despite the essential role of women and local forest management and their notable exclusion from any governance structures and forest management decisions. And finally, we looked at how timely and accessible funding was, and we found that there are significant barriers to entry for communities and rights holders to directly access donor funding, meaning that the majority of funding is channeled through traditional donor vehicles.
3: What importance do forests hold to these groups in Africa, these indigenous communities who live in and around them?
2: And at a global perspective, what is the importance of these forests? Forests are critical to indigenous communities in Africa and elsewhere. We know the rights and well-being of indigenous peoples and local communities across the world are inextricably linked to the preservation of key forest ecosystems. Research, in part of course led by my organization RRI, has demonstrated that these groups are essential stewards of over half of the world's land area, with customary claims to many of the Earth's last intact forest landscapes, which are uh, home to millions of at-risk species, critical ecosystems, and carbon. Looking at tropical forests around the world, indigenous peoples and local communities claim up to half, 50%, but have legally recognized rights to less than 30%. In 24 tropical forested countries, including in Africa, communities manage and claim at least 958 million hectares of land and forests that store some 253 gigatons of carbon. But as I mentioned, they have legally recognized rights to less than half of these lands and forests. That puts at risk, in terms of carbon, 15 times the world's 2020 energy related carbon dioxide emissions. So forests are important to the well being, livelihoods, and culture of uh, the communities who live in, steward, and manage them. But the management and control and governance of forests is, of course, critical to achieving global goals of uh, conserving uh, biodiversity and mitigating climate change. Of course, it's now acknowledged and understood that communities and indigenous peoples are the best stewards of forests, but the problem is that they're underfunded relative to other forest conservation and climate mitigation approaches. What challenges are faced in the conservation of these forests? In many cases, this is a political issue. Communities are you know, working to advance tenure reforms in their countries uh, to secure their rights over land and forest. They are uh, facing challenges and incursions in, uh, in their territories, maybe companies or other groups uh, coming in to exploit. And I think we're all familiar with the, the dangers of, uh, of defending forests and territories, and human rights defenders have been well-documented. By 2030, we estimate that a minimum of $10 billion is gonna be required for communities and indigenous peoples to meaningfully contribute to the biodiversity and climate mitigation goals in support of recognition of an additional 400 million hectares of tropical forest for uh, indigenous people's local communities. So it's about half the tropical forest around the world. So $10 billion and additional 400 million hectares of, of forest is from our perspective, the minimum are required for communities to contribute meaningfully to the 2030 goals.
3: I'm in what I would describe as a forest. Yes, that's right, a forest in the capital city of Kenya, Nairobi. And this is the John Mishuki Memorial Park. And this is where I am at the moment with Patricia combo And uh, Patricia is an environmentalist here in Kenya. Patricia, what is the importance of forests to communities in Kenya and other parts of sub saharan Africa?
1: To me, forests are sources of life because from there we get food, we get everything that we need. And... In forests in Africa, they have a significance. To us, forests are sources of inspirations, they are sources of spirituality. Forest to us, it's a communal gift from our ancestors. And it, it's from our ancestors because in Africa, when a person dies, they are buried in the land or in nature where these forests thrive. And after the burial, we grow a tree and we believe they watch over us through the forest. They are a gift from ancestors.
3: Where we are, there's the river flowing next to us. We can hear the water flowing downstream. We can feel the cool breeze as we sit amongst these trees. Patricia, if we're looking at it from more of a scientific view, what role do forests play? in an ecosystem.
1: No matter where the forest is, the impact is felt by the whole population. And one of the things is balancing the climate. Forests they try to regulate by absorbing the excess carbon, they purify oxygen and we get one of the best air quality is improved. Second, from the forest we have a lot of water catchment and we all depend on water. And another thing that forests give us is food. Because where there's a forest, agriculture really does well because of the ecosystem, nutrients that the crops around get. And from that, communities are fed with good, healthy and nutritious food. And again, medicine. A lot of medicine that we are taking today, they have an origin from the forest. So forest, to me, it's a it's life. We need forests for survival.
3: Now we're sitting in a forest, almost I would say in the centre of the capital, Nairobi. What role does a forest like this play in a cosmopolitan urban area such as Nairobi?
1: For us in Nairobi, you see the amount of pollution that comes from vehicles. We have a lot of industries emitting these gases. And this forest acts as an absorber. It purifies the gases produced because of industrialization. So air quality is improved in city areas. Second, they absorb the noise. You know, there are noise of matatus, vehicles, industry, but trees, they act as an absorber whereby they absorb and you find the city is quiet. And another thing is because of increase in mental health. And also in terms of temperature, a city that is a concrete city without trees, the temperatures will be extremely high. The forest in a city, it gives us dignity because there is somewhere you can go, read a book, you know, do whatever you want at peace.
3: Patricia, some of the challenges that communities face in conserving these forests, what challenges do they encounter?
1: Uh, First of all, drawing an inspiration from Tanzania and also Kenya, some indigenous communities have been viewed as intruders, whereby... They are now being drawn away from where they have lived since they came into existence. And this brings a lot of conflict because to these people, nature and the ecosystem they are in has been part of them. second, the moment you fence a forest, you are like separating someone from nature. It's like you're dividing them. Another thing that I feel communities are facing is lack of inclusivity. Even traditional knowledge, it is in itself a science because this is knowledge that has worked for years. So when they are neglected or rather not included and their voice is not heard, people have gone to the forest in the name of conservation and they plant wrong trees, which they end up destroying the ecosystem slowly by slowly. So communities should be given the priority. They should be at the center of implementation because they understand what works best. for for a certain forest.
3: What about funding?
1: In terms of funding, I can say it has been a great challenge because... I'm not trying to sound rude. Some of these communities are not that well literate. So when it comes to funding, people tend to think they will not be able to manage and also to implement so they are not put at the funding process. So you find funding is given through other people and they are just the other way. You find communities are better able to conserve forests with the funding than when it is given to the national government
3: what would the future hold for sub-saharan africa if these forests were not well conserved what would be the consequences
1: first of all we are already experiencing the consequences in on of africa this is our fourth year of consecutive drought Some trees have become extinct. Some wildlife have become also extinct. Failure of conserving our environment, we actually dig in our own grave. There's still hope, there's still gap for us to reverse some of these impacts we are facing. And it goes back to going back to nature. So we must protect what feeds us because through there, we'll have a better and a livable planet.
0: Patricia Combo ending Africa science focus for today. If you want to find out more, head to the side of my website. That's www.scidev.net Today's show was produced by Martin Redfern with reporting by Michael Kaloki and editing and hosting by me, Ogechi Ekianyo. Until next time, goodbye. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station.